and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith, and thank you for listening. David is not here today. Uh, as has become tradition, David sits out the uh, the official Oscar episode. Unfortunately, uh, one of our usual replacements also had to sit it out because he is not feeling well. So uh, today, in the place of David and friend of the show Jason Eakin, is our very own Ian Brill. Ian, how you doing? I'm 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 happy to be here. Uh, I'm glad you explained why Jason wasn't here because I worried I. Rumors are a dangerous thing, but I heard the rumor was he heard that both Joker and Parasite, the Superman villain, would both be celebrated, and he was so scared. He said, my two most feared DC villains would be honored. I couldn't accept it. He's, 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 you know, one guy's Batman's nemesis, one guy's Superman's nemesis. He was like, I can... He felt... So offended that he would not deign to even show up at the Oscar party or even do what some say is the most exciting podcast in America. I think so. And also, of course, there's the lesser known Lobo villain, the Irishman. Uh, <laughs> you never know when he's going to come around. The he's corner. a he's a he's a hitman villain. <laughs> oh, it's that makes sense, actually, on multiple levels. Um, OK, <clears throat> but yeah, so usually we uh, we do this. Uh, the last couple of years, it's been you, me, and Jason. Sadly, Jason is not here. But um, so one thing that I wanted to mention, because uh, there's a lot to, to talk about. Um, so David and I have talked in the past about um, the Oscar episode, and he opted out a while ago. And that's... At first, I wasn't necessarily angry. I was just like, oh, that seems like an odd choice. Um, I get it. I get it now. And it's not just about opting out of the Oscar episode. It's it's the awards themselves. I, I mean, I get pulled in once they've started and I enjoy them. And I'm and you always you never know when a surprise is going to happen. And there are some major surprises tonight. So that's all well and good. But there is. You know, there's a lot of do, doing this podcast uh, we've managed to sidestep a lot of the obligatory aspects of it, which is like sometimes there's a movie. It's like, well, everyone's talking about it, so I guess I should see it. But for the most part, that attitude doesn't happen very much. But the Oscars, because, you know, if there's some movie that I don't want to see, like Marriage Story was one that I put off for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still could watch it on my own time. Whereas with the Oscars, like you have to be here on this day, that that's how it works. Um, and so it feels so inherently constraining. Uh, and I think I naturally uh, bristle at that, um, probably more as I get older. And so uh, so I do feel like there was something about like probably about 45 minutes before uh, like the ceremony started or before um, uh, Ian and uh, uh, editor-at-large uh, Scott and I and uh, Julie Cessnovich uh, they came over and we watched it. And But before anybody showed up, like about an hour before, I was just like, I kind of wish I didn't have to do this. Um, and I'm not really sure where that started. I think it was just just a general exhaustion uh, with there's so much talk around the Oscars, especially the last few years. Um, and I won't say the website, but I, I have been writing for a conservative Website uh, the last couple months, and so I've been talking about the Oscars quite a bit. In fact, I think my last three 
uh, articles were about the Oscars. And um, <clears throat> Ian, I don't know if you know this or not, but by and large, conservatives, or at least conservatives that would comment on a conservative website article, uh, don't care much about the Oscars, and they are not shy about saying it. Um, and so I think just engaging with the Oscars probably more than I normally would has has just taken the enthusiasm out of me. So, uh, but thankfully, this ceremony, not necessarily because of the ceremony itself, but I think because of the way it ended and a couple of the comedic interactions throughout, mm -hmm. uh, it's not that it necessarily won me back over, but it reminded me of why I do enjoy the Oscars from time to time. I think if you follow show business, it's, it's, the Oscars acts uh, acts as a nice little marker just to see where show business is at. It's yeah. almost, a, I mean, I, and, and to be honest, I feel this way about whenever I ever watch like old movies or anything. I love the time capsule aspect yes. of it. And I guess that you don't really appreciate that until a couple years later or, or what you think about a few years later. Um, but it's, it's important uh I don't know if it's important, but it, 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 it's, it's useful in that way. Um, because I can understand the idea of Hollywood celebrating itself, commenting on, on itself, uh, being, uh, grading, but, uh, that's also the only time, you know, if it talks about itself, it, it, it acts as a, some kind of an observance, which yeah. holds some kind of value. If, if only, um, as you know, yeah, as a marker of time. Yeah. And I do think that, um, so over on my other podcast, more than one lesson, um, for a while, uh, Josh Long and I were doing a, a mini sewed series called the best of pictures where we yeah. went through and watched and talked about every best picture winner. <clears throat> and you, what, you did, what did you think of wings? We we start uh, we didn't make it all the way back before oh, we go, we stopped doing I it. Like start with wings. I think the last one we did was uh, all the king's men. We were working our way backwards. Okay, uh, so that was forty nine. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I think you like the word you the the term you used. I think nails it, which is the Oscars are a time capsule. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to say like I can't believe this movie won over that movie, and it's just like so much stuff goes into the Oscars in the moment, in the yeah. present. Um, some of it has to do with the actual, with actual appreciation of the films. Some of it has to do with campaigning, all that sort of thing. Um, and, and some of it is just like tapping into the zeitgeist of the time, which maybe evaporated like six months later, um, to such an extent that when we look back we're like, I can't like knowing what we know now or, yeah. or, uh, thinking the way we do now about a movie like the Shawshank Redemption, yeah. which didn't make a great deal of money, but it was nominated for a number of Oscars that year. Yeah. Didn't win picture over Forrest Gump or Pulp Fiction. Um, <clears throat> and yet people now, if they were to look back, like Shawshank Redemption is like one of the most beloved American films of the last 50 years. Uh, and so I think uh, it's just like, yeah, but it just wasn't in the cards. Like everything was Forrest Gump and whatever wasn't was Pulp Fiction as far as what people were talking about. Um, and so I do think that it's just it. it uh, another term that I've used is snapshot. It just makes for a really fun little yeah. snapshot of the time. And sometimes it can make you mad. Sometimes like, yeah, I guess that's where we were. I mean, uh, it's. It, it almost acts as a spine where I think people, especially younger people, uh, and I, I know a lot of people's 
interest in film maybe first unlocks by watching the Oscars at a young age, maybe, you know, when they're 11, 12, um, that could then, you know, again, using as a spine, they can then build out and flesh out the rest of their uh, appreciation in film, yeah. but then use whatever was nominated or whatever won best picture, um, and, and, and use that as a way as something of a, film history course and I guess that's why it was so important when we get to the yeah. film that won this year why we're seeing well not so much this year Parasite aside but hopefully we start seeing a, a wider breadth or wider selection of the films that get recognized yeah I don't know if that's ever going to happen to be honest with you I feel like this is maybe this does kind of open the door but I could also see it being a situation where um, yeah it's it, the Academy is not opposed to patting itself on the back. Um, well, what do we say, though, with the Academy? I mean, it's funny. I mean, let's just say, I mean, the one thing I liked about about many things about Parasite winning is the fact that I, I flash back to Bong Joon-ho saying like, oh yeah, the Academy Awards, they just feel like a local show for like Hollywood. Sure. But it's like, is that it? Just it's like... Like if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is a film I liked, sure. it won, it would just feel like, oh, Hollywood, it would right. feel like this little radius, if not even all of L.A., but yeah. just like this little radius in the, in the north of Los Angeles County. You know, I, sh I, should, uh, I should specify, actually, when I say patting itself on the back, I don't even necessarily, I don't mean the, the Academy itself. I don't even necessarily mean movies so much as artistic endeavor. You know, it's how something like Birdman, which has nothing to do with film officially, but it's kind of around. They didn't even it. make edits in that movie. Exactly, I know, and uh, I don't have the energy to to <laughs> fake to fake do that. bits. Yeah, <laughs> no, we'll do bits in no, a minute, folks. Um, we got bits. Yeah, that's. Don't worry about that. Much like the Oscars themselves, we will punctuate uh, the uh, long stretches of boredom with an occasional little funny thing. Um, but no, I do think that, uh, th there is something and look, I, I love movies. I love artistic endeavor. I think it's incredibly valuable. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think the Oscars are like, oh, this is a film that really captures what it is to be an artist and that's us. So let's reward that. Um, and so, and I don't necessarily, I'm not even necessarily saying if that's good, uh, or bad, but, um, and I, shoot, now I don't remember the point I was making originally when I About said that the Academy congratulating itself. Yeah. And if it, you know, that's why Bong Joon-ho felt like a local war. It, it feels like Parasite isn't in the, uh, the tent. Yeah. yeah it, it every once in, the, in a while. It isn't in the circle. It's not accepted. Yeah. I mean, certainly people were enthusiastic and but it was yeah, clearly accepted many times over, yeah. uh, tonight. But, uh, but, but probably yeah. didn't feel that way when they were starting. Oh, undoubtedly. Yeah. Uh, like, it is every once in a while. It's kind of neat when a movie uh, breaks through and does what nobody expected it to do. Um, sort of like, you know, when La La Land won Best Picture for a moment. Yeah. Everything fit with what everyone with what we all expected. Yeah. And then, uh, now, granted, the way in which Moonlight won, or rather, the way in which it was announced, definitely added to the surprise element. Yeah. But if it had just been announced straightforward, I still would have been surprised. Same with a movie like Marty or, uh, frankly, in my view, almost uh, even a movie sort of like uh, like No Country for Old Men. Like, I know it's the Coen brothers and they'd been around for a while. And, and it is a film that has like an air of prestige, but it's also it's a hard film 
to really really kind of get your hands around in a lot of ways thematically and tonally. It it it's, it doesn't want to be uh, easily defined. It, yeah, it'll, it, they take the the zigs instead of the zags, or the other yeah. way around. I don't know. But. Um, and so I do think <clears throat> I think the uh, the choice to to honor parasite is something that I think is really exciting. Um, and like I said, Oh, that's what, it, uh, I do think this might open the door, but I could also see the Academy again, patting itself on the back as, and essentially saying it's like, aren't we nice? We let that nice Asian boy have his, have an Oscar. We're pretty I great hope, people. You know what I was saying? I, I was going to say, I hope no one's that, um, condescending but whew, the hollywood reporter every year they do these anonymous oh Oscar I, know. Voters where you, I know and there was even one person who was like mm, I, i'll fucking do a voice i don't care they don't deserve respect <laughs> and i don't do like a dumb southern voice i just do yeah. a dumb like muppet voice but was like mm, i like to parasite but shouldn't win it shouldn't be up against like regular movies i'm like regular, regular movie? yeah what's the fucking yeah. regular movie yeah and it's, and you know, in, in one of the uh, comments, what was it? I wrote a, I think I wrote an article for this, for this other website, like ranking the, the current best picture nominees. And I put Parasite as number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and was ranking it, them in terms of quality, not in terms of quality, yeah. ability. No, no, not that at yeah. all. Um, and, uh, and the comments, you know, outside of the sheer number of people that just say, who cares? I'm like, why are you even typing that? If you, if you like, make a comment, apparently yeah, you do. You care. To a point. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it's just fascinating to me that like, like the idea that someone would write an article. Does that, someone that live you their life care. that way? Do they just go like, who cares? And then when, when they're having dinner with their spouse or family and there's like, who cares about this? And then on their deathbed, they're like, I didn't care. <laughs> it's like, is that just their life? Just not caring. I think it's their internet life. Yeah. Jesus. Um, but, some way uh, to go through the world. But I, I, I got into, Oh, this was, this was a comment. I think actually on a different article that I didn't write, but I, I enjoy partaking in the comments, not to necessarily troll. In fact, I usually respond with positivity. Um, but I ran across someone who, and this is something that you run across in, in conservative circles that they're just so instinctively like, pro-american and i am too but like they're just so that i would say so are the oscars what was that I was, well it's uh, but they're pro but those are pro-liberal american oh and sorry the wrong america exactly uh and so but one somebody did say that like like oh well like america makes like the best movies and she's like okay well first off my favorite film of all time, Nashville, is not merely an American film. It's a it's a super American film. Uh, it it would Altman himself would say it's about like it's America in microcosm. And then I love Citizen Kane. I love Jaws. Uh, so I I like movies that are American and like explore themes that are uniquely American. At the same time, I I I sort of in the comments I challenge that person. I'm like I, I'm going to bet you haven't seen anything that isn't American. Um, and so, uh, so that's the thing is a movie like parasite. Now, thankfully in the comments of this other thing, I didn't mean for this episode to turn into that, but it definitely does give me a glimpse of people that aren't movie people. Um, and are of a very specific political stripe. Um, one that I, I guess share. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there are, there were some that said like parasite is a great movie or 
Parasite sounds like a great movie. I guess I should see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I do think that 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 Hollywood Reporter article of of literally saying it's like I it should be a regular movie or did he say regular or real? I don't remember. No, I think I remember regular. I think regular. Um, just that, and then talking about like, well, it's like ah, the Irishman was boring, and just like talking about this or that. And it's just like, man, how do these people like get in the industry by having such? Uh, I think this is you know there was there's a lot of Scorsese talk, and actually one of the things I I, I took away from uh, this uh, this Oscars was the Irishman. I don't think won anything. It didn't win anything. But there was a lot of Scorsese love. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bong Joon-ho, shout out Scorsese, lots of people. Um, you could technically say two Scorsese movies were nominated, The Irishman and The Joker. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's been a lot of Scorsese talk, one of them about how long his movies are. And I remember, I won't use this actress's name, but she's someone who has done a lot of great work, but she's also did a lot. She's no longer an actress, but she did a lot of television in the seventies. And one of her arguments against the length of Scorsese's films and her idea that they need to be edited more, despite the fact she Scorsese works with one of the greatest editors of all time. Yeah. Thelma Schoonmaker is that this, this, this person said a scene needs to explain something. If it doesn't explain something, then you just have to, then it just has to be excised. I thought like, this is a person who did so much television work, did so much perfunctionary work. Yeah. And I think so many people who's, they got, listen, getting a job in show business and making a career in show business is amazing because it's very hard to do. It's very hard to deal with the amount of rejection you're going to get. But once you're, once you, once you're no longer just a foot in the door, once you're entirely in the door, things can feel very rote and perfunctory, just like any other job, I suppose. And then when something is, when you're dealing with something that wants to luxuriate, wants to take its time, that doesn't, that doesn't want to just speed and get there the way I think something, frankly, like 1917 does. Yeah. Um, then, then you are maybe gobsmacked by it or at least taken aback by it. Yeah, I mean, I think, it's, unfortunately, that's a lot of people in the academy and a lot of people in show business. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we don't actually know who wrote that that article for Hollywood Reporter. If I had to guess, every time I read it, my assumption is that it's an older person. Oh, I have I, to absolutely, yeah. Because I think the industry and the academy has changed significantly. And this person is wondering, it's like, what happened to the academy I knew? The Academy where 1917 is the obvious winner because it's a war movie, damn it. Yeah, it's you a know. British war yeah. movie. And they're, you know, they deal with stuff. But this time it's different because it looks like a video game. Uh, yeah, well, I guess there's that true. But, uh, yeah, it is uh, it is frustrating. Um, you know, maybe one of the things that gets me about the Oscars is it just it just it forces everybody to think in terms of what does good and bad mean. And then... If a mo- and there are and then what of- does my grandpa think is good? Bad? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then at the core of that is what is a movie for? You know, there are people there are people out there who say in a very prescriptive way that like movies are entertainment or movies are story based. And as time has gone on, because uh, I thought that as well 
admittedly when I was younger and then I got exposed to more movies and I realized that a movie can be any number of things. Uh, but people have a very, like that idea. It's like a scene should explain something or it should move the story along, whatever. It's like, well, maybe if it's a story based movie, if it's a character based movie, then maybe it can reveal character. Yeah. If it's a tone movie, if it's a, a movie all about tone, then it like it should accomplish something to the to the end, you know, to the, the filmmaker's end. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it has to be information based. Exactly. It doesn't have to be OK. I learned that A is now B. And so we're going on to C. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that's a lot of people and the people who you know, write screenwriting books and people who read screenwriting books. Like, you know, unfortunately I think, um, that gets into the heads, heads, a lot of people. And, and, you know, that's, that's where you find people who don't want anything or don't recognize things that are a little more cinematic. And yeah. And that's the other thing is like, I have no problem with a movie being character based or story driven or anything like that. By the way, a fucking example of a tight screenplay where information is, uh, explained really succinctly and powerfully is parasite. Yeah. That like, I think that movie it's over two hours, but like that movie flies by for me because it is very, it feels very stripped down. It's not, it's actually, it's shot in a very ornate way. Mm hmm. But it does, and, it moves and apparently on. he doesn't do like master a lot of coverage shots. I mean, he does. Yeah. I don't know if they're, if he's like storyboards it so tightly or whatever, I think maybe he probably does. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. The, not only are the shots, uh, so spot on, but, but it was so wonderful to see it win screenplay, which I don't, other people may know, but for a foreign language film to win a screenplay, I mean, I feel like that's very rare, probably rare. It's than, pretty rare. I think yeah. the last time it actually happened was talk to her, okay. which is uh, yeah. 2002, I think. Sure. Um, yeah. It doesn't happen very often um, <clears throat> because honestly, and this is something that I myself occasionally, maybe not so much anymore, but for a while uh, I didn't have a problem with talking about uh, a foreign language film in screenwriting terms, but there is always the possibility. It's like, Hey, the thing that I'm reading might not actually be the thing that was written because maybe there is no turn of phrase in the English language that, that is the approximation of that. Sure. And so like my, I always approached that with not suspicion, but I'd say reluctance because just like, Hey, who knows? I, like I remember years ago, um, uh, when, let the right one in was mm-hmm. released on video. The subtitles on the DVD release uh, was not were not the same as the ones in the theatrical release. And they showed there was an article about it, and it showed like here's the here it is for theatrical, and it was a lot more conversational, little like again to use the term like a little turns of phrase here and there. Whereas like on video, it was a lot more like just like utilitarian and like gets exactly. The job I done. mean, it's called in I know in the video game world. Um, it's called localization. Okay. And funny enough, I mean, cause, cause you'll have one translator just translate. Yeah. Just like the basics mm-hmm. in like in those cases from Japanese to English. And then there's somebody else, um, who has to then take that, uh, funny enough, what we're talking about earlier, perfunctionary English mm-hmm. and make it sound like actual dialogue. It's funny yeah. enough. They do that in comics too. Funny enough. I don't know, Frederick, Federico Fellini. Okay. One of his first jobs was taking old comic strips and translating them 
into Italian for an Italian newspapers, and one of those old comic strips was Flash Gordon. Ah, jeez. Because, folks, Gordon's alive. And so was the talk of Flash Gordon. You may think, oh, hmm, there's nothing Queen-related this year, so obviously Ian won't bring up the greatest human achievement in the 20th century, Michael Hodges' 1980 film Flash Gordon. No, you're wrong. I came in here with a Gordon's Alive shirt, which I bought from Brian Blessed's official merchandise store. It cost me 29 pounds. I don't know what that is in Brexit. Thank God I got this before the whole thing oh, went yeah. to hell. Oh, they're back to, to, to uh, tobacco now. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm surprised they're not uh, just like we're not using like gold to bouillon or whatever. Um, but luckily, I'm here to keep the Flash Gordon fires alive because... Uh, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, listeners. Tyler's still not seen this film. I don't know what he has done, and apparently he's seen fit to teach films to other people. And yet he has not seen Mike Hodges' 1980 Flash Gordon. The only reason that you are... Starring Sam J. Jones and Melody Anderson. And as Ming the Merciless. Max Van Saito. Yeah. Yeah, the only reason that I am not uh, quivering in the corner calling myself a fraud is because you're talking about uh, Flash Gordon and not any number of other movies that my lack of seeing forces me to feel like, what right do I have to teach anybody about film? But thankfully, you've picked a movie that obviously is completely disposable um, and no one should ever feel any need let's, to see let's, it. You know, I mean, my, one of... My love of films was born seeing Dino De Laurentiis accept his Lifetime Achievement Award Oscar. And of course, I have to think the lion's share of that Oscar came from the sure. fact that he produced Flash Gordon. Yeah. Oh, they were the making, they were making up for something. That's for sure. Uh, uh, what do you think it was? King Kong? <laughs> the 70s King Kong? Uh, yeah, probably. Sure. And then uh, what's... What Conan I... the Barbarian? What did I write the, an article? Think, oh, Firestarter. I, I wrote an article about, I watched the Blu-ray of Firestarter. Dude, that dude had one of the craziest careers. And, he wanted to, and listen, so Blue strange. Velvet, I love Blue Velvet, but it also did Dune. Yeah. Although I want to revisit Dune before the new one comes out. I've actually never seen the David Lynch Dune. I think I'd probably enjoy it. And incidentally, Bro. like I make fun of uh, your your love of Flash Gordon. And, and that's the thing is like. It's better than Dune. I, I I imagine it is. Flash Gordon doesn't yeah. need Virginia Madsen to say, okay, here's what you're going to watch. Basically, that's how Dune starts. Really? She, I mean, she's in the movie as a character, but she has to like, she's the human version of the scrawl in, in Star Wars. Oh, okay. She doesn't say the dead speak, unfortunately, which rumor was that was what the in memoriam was going to be called this year. Thankfully, oh, boy. cooler heads prevailed. Uh, we'll get to Star Wars in a minute. Look, I realize we're supposed to be talking about the Oscars, and we have a little bit. We'll get back to it. In a way, um, is an Oscars looking back at 2019 as a whole? Kind of, yeah. Does that yeah. include amazing works such as Babu Frick? Yeah, I did you like... Did you I like, love Babu Frick. No, no, no. But I didn't like no. that movie, no. Oh, okay. I was going to say, like, do you like Babu Frick in the way you liked Snoke so much, where it's fake, or do you actually First of like all, the character? I am heartbroken at the way... <laughs> They did Snoke dirty. Yeah. They just 
they 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 snoked him out. <laughs> I feel. If, yeah, you should try to turn. First that of all, into they established that there's like multiple Snokes around, but where we yeah. don't see them. I yeah. wanted when all those ships came out of the sky. I wanted them all manned by different Snokes. Yeah, when you when you first heard that there were many, you're like, here, oh, here we, we go. go. <laughs> and he just a whole a, army of a whole chorus line of Snokes. <laughs> well, they're dressed, them they're dressed one. for it. Yeah. Singular sensation <laughs> anywhere he Snokes. <laughs> Great. But no, we were like, oh, it's me. I'm like, JJ, you created Snoke. Yeah, boy. I mean, I've uh, we've David and I have talked about it on the show quite a bit, but like the more I think about if it, man, talk about a movie where it's like, hey, every scene ha- has to have crucial information. That's that's crucial information that was 80 probably 80 yard in and yeah. found in the edit. Yeah, and it's just like that's what that's the movie you get when you are not thinking about tone, character, no. uh, adventure. You're only thinking about like, let's just get this done. Let's just keep going. There's a lot. Of, there's some here's stuff th- in it I like. Here's the thing, because because you know in, in these Oscars we had Frozen, uh, Toy Story four one. Um, of course, we were very disappointed that when they went in on those Toy Story characters, that Forky didn't start talking and say like, "Trash, uh, here's the here's Randy Newman. He's not trash, or is he?" Um, <laughs> I am I am on record amongst our group as hating whenever they have like animated characters uh, introduce something. So like, as they pushed in to that box, I'm like, they're gonna break out of the fucking box and they're gonna introduce something, and I'm gonna hate this. Uh, but they didn't, and I was excited. But so 2019 probably felt like the year that Disney took over the world because you have yeah. Avengers Endgame, Rise of Skywalker, Toy Story 4, Frozen 2, Lion King, the other Aladdin, Dumbo, Captain Marvel, and the launch of Disney+. Plus. But I also feel like it's also when you started seeing the cracks in the yeah. um, in the formula because sure. I think – Rise of Skywalker and Captain Marvel will films where you see the edit and post-production kind of eat the rest of the movie. Sure. Um, and there are elements of Captain Marvel I liked, but it was, it was definitely something where you, it didn't feel like it had an ounce uh, to breathe or, or was given an inch to breathe in, in breathing room, I yeah. guess. Um, whereas the Avengers Endgame did granted it was a much longer film. Um, same thing, you know, and Rise of Skywalker was just slam bang. You know, J.J. Abrams, who I have a immense amount of respect for, and I think Alias is an amazing achievement, and Lost, even though he wasn't part of Lost the entire time. I actually do like Mission Impossible 3. Um, yeah. And I, I like uh, his Star Trek movies, I think, for, like, I think as a director. I like his first Star Trek movie. And I like Star Trek Beyond, but he just... Yeah. There are things, there are, there's actually quite a bit that I enjoy in Into Darkness, but I also haven't seen it in a while. I think I might. Uh... But even in his Star Trek films, I feel like he's a, he's a guy who feels like, well, if we get, if we tell the story fast, they won't notice the, the cracks yeah. that they're yeah. going over. It's like, if we drive fast, we can get over that pothole yeah. a lot easier. And I feel like between those and Lion King, it feels like, man, we're seeing the cracks. It's like, is this what, with Disney as big as they are, is this what we're going to be dealing with? Like films that have like multiple directors coming in, things that are completely different in the edit, actors probably going on press tour and being like, oh, what do you think when your character does this? It's like, my character does that? It's like, (laughs) yeah, because we edited him into an entirely different scene. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, but at the same time, 
Well, I was, you know what I was, I was about to say like, well, you and I are, are movie people. And so we think in terms of what Disney owns and what it doesn't and all that sort of thing. And then I was about to say like, yeah, but does the average person, like we see the cracks, does the average person see the cracks? And I thought like, well, I don't know. Uh, I can't speak for them. I'm not an average person, at least in regards to movies, uh, normies, as I have come to call this them. This is an Aaron Sorkin thing of don't talk to me like I'm other people. His characters tend to say that. Oh, do they? Yeah, because they're Aaron Sorkin characters. They're not other people. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, and then there's actually a line in uh, David Mamet's uh, American Buffalo where Teach says, do not talk to me. I'm not other like that. I'm not other people. Oh, because um, Sorkin wishes he was Mamet. Although Mamet now, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's and then and then I think it was one of the I think it was the sound uh, the winner of the sound editing award mentioned that, uh, you know, 20th Century Fox is gone. Yeah. Now. Ford V Ferrari, a.k.a. Le Mans 66 for our international listeners ah. is technically the last 20th Century Fox film because well, now they're 20th Century films. Yeah. Just 20th Century or just Searchlight like, films. You know, I know it sounds weird, like. Disney, you already own the company. Yeah, they are you wor- a, are you worried that like are you worried about just the the competition in terminology? You can have the Disney, uh, you know, a logo at the front, and then you can have 20th Century Fox if you want. You can just call it that; it's fine. Fox Studios are it's a hundred years old, and so but then you bought it, and now let's get that Fox out of there. It's like ah, it it really like as a film person, like as a. I wouldn't say historian, but as an, as an appreciator of film history, it just bought, it feels so disrespectful. Like, yeah, tell you what, make it so that the word Fox doesn't mean anything anymore, but keep the word. What also it, it now that now it means that Rupert Murdoch has the Fox name and can yeah. put it, you know, keeps it on Fox news and all the you know local Fox affiliates. But it's like the movies, the studio had it first. Yeah. He bought, you know, News Corp bought Fox later, and now he gets to keep the name. And the the yeah Disney has the history without the name. It's such a gross way that yeah. things turn out to be. And don't get me wrong; I'm not uh, I'm not super thrilled with where, with where the Alien franchise is right now. Uh, Alien Covenant being maybe my least favorite movie of that year, and Prometheus being kind of a mess. Um, but at least they're a mess and bad in their own way. Like, whereas if Disney were to start making alien movies, yeah, well, uh, they just have, would it just be like, you could see like that three act. Well, funniest, like we're talking about like that, um, you just utilizing these formulas. Yeah. I guess that's what it is. We're against, we're against formulas. Yeah. We're against just putting in, just giving a cow a fake impregnation and then make, then hearing her cries and then putting that milk in our coffee. Okay. Uh, so we are against that. All of us. So you're getting us into the actual ceremony now, which I'm excited about. But before we get any further, (coughs) excuse me, I wanted to mention that this episode is brought to you by white to play, which is a, uh, a, uh, short film Indiegogo campaign by Yona Paley. Uh, and so it's the 26th annual Evergreen Chess Tournament. Our protagonist, Michael, is a, is a dozen moves into the most challenging game, game of his career, and he's already starting to get into time trouble. 
This is only made more stressful by an unexpected and terrifying turn of events that takes place. Uh, Michael has the white pieces, and it's his turn to play. Blending genres of fantasy, thriller, and art cinema, White to Play uh, paints a fantastical yet often nightmare scenario of what happens when the game is seemingly lost. We have, th- uh, they, sorry, we say we, I'm not part of the team, uh, so I'll say they. They have three weeks left to raise funds for the movie, which will help cover production costs, including p- uh, paying all cast and crew, that's important, as well as film festival submission fees. So uh, yeah, real quick, I will say uh, the guy who is, who's running this, his name is Yona Paley. He's, uh, he's been a listener of BP for almost since the beginning. Um, and, uh, so I've spoken to him a little bit here and there on, on Facebook and he's a super great guy. And I think he has really strong artistic sensibilities and the idea here of something as seemingly innocuous as a chess game, albeit it's a chess tournament. So it's stakes are a little bit higher, but like something is as small and concentrated as that. But then we go inside like the turmoil when someone is like, am I making the right move? Uh, and the concept of that is very interesting to me. So, uh, yeah, we at uh, BP are very much in favor of uh, independent film, however it gets funded. And uh, Yona has chosen to go with Indiegogo. So I would highly recommend check it out like everything you know, anything that you can give, even if it's $5, $10, everything helps. Um, And as he mentioned, he wants to make sure that he can pay his cast and crew, which is another thing that when you're making a short film, everyone just kind of assumes like, all right, I guess it's just credit. And if I'm lucky, uh, you know, catering. Um, But no, uh, Yona wants to pay everybody. And so uh, it's a film that uh, sounds good to me. And so if you go to battleshippretension.com, on the left side of the page, you'll see a little uh, graphic there that says white to play. Uh, and uh, just click on that and help Yona out with uh, with the film. So what's your what are some of your favorite chess movies? Gosh, I can't think of. Uh, I, I mean, I saw Searching for Bobby Fischer, mm-hmm. which I liked. I did see the movie Pawn Sacrifice, which has good things in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the Bobby Fischer. That's the Toby McGuire. Toby McGuire, yeah, yeah. And Liev Schreiber plays um, the Russian guy, Spatsky. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he does a great job as he always does. And I think the film is not bad. Um, it just gets to be a little bit repetitive. Like it doesn't, you know, it's to go back to this idea of, of each scene giving you new information. Uh, while I don't necessarily that think that that's the case. Uh, if you just, I think each, I think each scene of a movie should communicate something new or maybe confirm something. But if every single scene is confirmation of the thing you already knew yeah. after a while, you're just like, okay, I, this, this is, beginning to uh, wear on me a little bit. And with uh, Pawn Sacrifice, it's like Bobby Fischer was crazy and great at chess. Get ready for two I hours. Think, of that. It, unfortunately, I think um, scene after scene confirming something is something we're seeing in a lot of the movies that were, sure. I mean, I mean, Joker for me, I, I just saw Joker two nights ago for the first time. Yes. Okay. Uh, strangely enough, I saw it the day before I went to see birds of prey which it was somehow fitting. Yeah. But, um, and I heard plenty about it beforehand, but I was so surprised how a movie could be so heavy handed, but also feel like there's so little. Yeah. In it. It's down to the fact it's shallow, that, but it's so, yes, it's so convinced down of to the how fact it that like once you're watching, um, Joker's, speech at the end on this talk show that's clearly yeah. 
indebted to King of Comedy, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. By the way, um, but it this is doesn't deserve to touch King of Comedy shoes. Um, but it's like once you see his speech, his main anger is people aren't polite enough. Yeah, I it's, mean it's like. Yeah, I, I did a whole more than one lesson episode about this, which is like, I just, I don't think the film has a central thesis. It seems to want to blame everyone, but not absolve him. It just, I think it's a film that's just generally misanthropic, which, which by but the way, I'm kind of okay with. Is mad that people don't, aren't respectful enough. Exactly. And so. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And, and, and by the way, the idea of a kind of class war that was done better in Dark Knight Rises, which is the worst of the Nolan movies. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I, I will say, like, I'm perfectly fine. This is something that came up tonight. Um, I am not merely perfectly fine. I'm I'm happy that Joaquin Phoenix won an Oscar for this film because I think it's, I think it's a great performance. It's so great. It tricked everyone into thinking that, thinking the movie was better. Um and it's and it's an uninhibited performance. Like he under, I think he understands that character more than Todd Phillips does. Yeah, I think he finds stuff in that writing that's not actually there. To the point where, like, I almost feel like that film is like a Florence uh, Flowers for Algernon film. <laughs> like he, like he literally becomes a more verbose and a better speaker because he learns his mom isn't his mom or some shit. Yeah, like what the fuck? Like his entire character has to change. Um, and yeah, the only way, I mean, honest to God, like I used to say like, oh, it's easy to award performances that were in good films. They should award people who are good in bad films. It's like, oh, tonight they kind of did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, th- and that's the other thing is like, I think technically there's some good stuff. I think my prime, my- I like Gary Goldman stand up. <laughs> well, of course, yeah, of that's course that and. And incidentally, the best part of the movie. Yeah, incidentally, do you want do you want to deal with art that really actually is about mental illness in a really subtle and insightful way? Check out Gary Goldman's stand up and avoid Joker, because um, Joker would appear to be. This is something it, it showed up on the BP list of like the worst, mo- the ten worst movies of the year, and uh, and I wrote the uh, the blurb for that. And what I said is that like it purports to be about yeah. these things, but I don't think it actually knows how to do that, and so it just throws a lot of stuff at the wall and then just directs it with such dour importance and self-importance that it convinces you. And this is where, this is where I'm probably going to sound like an elitist, but it convinces, it convinces people that haven't seen movies like this already that like, this is pretty amazing. Like I remember honestly, when I saw um, the dark Knight, and so many people were just like, going crazy about that depiction of Joker and it is good. And, and yeah. Heath Ledger is really good. They're like, Oh my gosh, that's the most amazing thing I've seen ever. I haven't seen anything like that. And it's like, yeah, I bet you haven't. Uh, yeah. I guess you, I guess the average person hasn't meanwhile. And this, and I, I've said this on the show before. It's like, we saw a character like this the previous year with Anton Chigurh, you know, who Ex- also has a two face. Exactly. To that's him. the thing. It's like, I'm like, why isn't, I'm honestly surprised that, if, uh, that, um, you were never really here was never taken off in, in by like Reddit meatheads. Yeah. Um, considering what that film was about and the kind of character Joaquin Phoenix plays, but I, I almost feel like people like that's the movie that Joker wishes it could be along with a lot of other movies where, sure. 
Um, I think Joaquin Phoenix is so much better, like the master, like, yeah, I mean, I would have preferred that he went for something like, like the master, um, inherit vice, which I, which is a film I don't necessarily love, but I think he's actually, he's good in everything. He's very reliable. Um, and yeah, uh, and as far as his speech, I mean, he, he that launches felt like into, the real life version of the, like it, if the Joker film had more of a sense of itself, yeah. like that's what the film would, the, his speech at the end would be. <laughs> instead of shooting Robert De Niro, he, be, he sees that he has milk in his coffee and he bangs it on his yeah. head. <laughs> I did. I, I mean, his speech, like, uh, I'm sure a lot of people will take issue with him, like exploiting the occasion of the Academy Awards as Patty Chayefsky once said. Um, but I did, I do really like, he actually seemed to sort of get into this thing towards the end where he talks about the nature of forgiveness and that like when someone makes a mistake rather than, and he specifically uses the word cancel. Uh, he says like, rather than, he says, rather than cancel them out, we instead talk to them and try to get them to like change or give, give them a chance at redemption and all that sort of thing. And I remember like really liking that. Um, uh, cause I, I don't know if he's overtly talking about cancel culture or anything like that. Um, but I do, it's, I took note of it. Um, and I, I, it's, you know, in the same way that Laura Dern references her famous parents, mm-hmm. Walking Phoenix referenced his brother and, yeah, no, unfor- and unfortunately yeah. a lot of the things that we know about his, you know, like the primary thing that we know about his brother at this point is he was an actor who died tragically before his time. And I hope his performances live. I hope, I hope so too. Um, but that's the thing is like, if we know him as like a great actor, there's also this thing that comes with it. Sure. Yeah. Um, you feel like there's a potential that was never reached, which I suppose. But what I like is that he didn't make that the focus of that part of the speech, the, Mm. the absence of his brother. Undoubtedly he was getting emotional. Everyone in the room knew what was going on there. But at the same time, he says, like, my brother wrote this lyric and it was this. Yeah. Like, he he emphasized not the loss of his brother, but the the artistic uh, co- contribution of his brother. And that, that was something that, like, really got to me. I liked it a lot. I mean, it's uh, because um, I think his... This, the subjects he was talking about were so broad mm-hmm. uh, until he got very specific about coffee. Yeah. I don't know. And by the way, I don't have milk in my coffee. I sometimes have almond milk, but I like my coffee black. But I love well, your coffee. You're a better person than I am, I guess. No, I, I mean, I still yeah. actually don't do a lot of dairy. I mean, I have pizza, but that's kind of it, dude. I can't, you know, <laughs> this is a weird conversation to have, but like, I can't do it like I used to. I used to have pizza no, a lot. I used to have mac older. and cheese. You get older, I'm like, I've, this has destroyed my stomach. Like, we had pizza today, and I'm nervous. Like, when I see people go keto, and it's like, oh, it's like paleo, but you can do cheese. So I'm like, it's a worse version of <laughs> <Yeah>. paleo? <laughs> like, it's, that's, I don't get that. I don't get yeah. the the appeal of it all. I'm just like, oh, we can eat pizza, but it's got cauliflower crust. <laughs> I'm like, ugh. Yeah, like, I used to, I used to enjoy ice cream. I can't do that anymore. Um, yeah, it's, uh, getting older, man. Uh, okay. Maybe that's what he was talking about. He's like, Oh, I can't do dairy in the, <laughs> in the coffee as much as I used to. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. no, it's cause, cause his subjects were so broad. I mean, I, I, I feel like, yeah, he was on touching on things, but in a way that I think we can all agree. It's funny when, when, um, it, it, 
I feel like when we talk about Hollywood, I don't think these folks are in the trenches of such online combatants. Um, when you talk about cancel culture and this and that, like for better or worse, probably for better, I don't think a lot of people there are quite uh, into it, and they right. probably just hear hear things they they hear for the um, you know as the great Brian. Uh, you know, from Ario Speedwagon said, heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, I don't think they're really touching. I don't think they're really trying to combat uh, anything unless just in a more general, yeah, love each other kind of way. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other the other speeches. I mean, well, you know. Oh, go ahead. There was a lot of uh, talk. Uh, of uh, that was trying to compensate for the lack of people of color sure. nominated, the fact that no women uh, were nominated for director, even though we had amazing films directed by women like uh, Greta Gerwig doing Little Women and, mm-hmm. and Lula Wayne doing The Farewell. Lorraine um, Scafari, I think, did a great did, job with Hustlers. Yeah, with Hustlers, um, which was completely shut out. Yeah, it was. No, not even best adapted screenplay. Not no. Holy moly, folks. Yeah. Um, and okay, I'm glad that's being recognized. But it, there's almost like like when Chris Rock hosted the Oscars after the Oscars so white, and that mm-hmm. was three years ago. Yeah. And so when we keep say, like having these jokes and stuff, but it, it feels like nothing changes. It feels like, as another great Ian said, it feels like you're screaming at a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 it, and it can be like that performative wokeness that we all worry of being accused sure. of. And, and, um, but that's probably not fair on the, the people making those statements or, or because they're not in a great deal of control of, uh, what happens, but we, it it only means so much until we actually start to see changes happen, which I guess is making the parasite win actually feels like okay, whew, maybe things maybe yeah. they're not afraid to nominate a movie that's entirely in a foreign language except for two sentences that are in English, right? That which were the only two sentences that made the trailer. Um, <laughs> you know, ho- you know, hopefully things will change because I'm because I I don't want to just. Um, I don't want to laugh when, you know, we notice the, the lack of female directors. I want to see parody. Um, yeah. P-A-R-I-T-I. Yeah. Although I'd love to see a parody, too. <laughs> sure, that'd be I'd love great. to just see, like, the Oscars happen, and then Zucker, Abram, Zuckers get together, and they <laughs> yeah. do an entire parody of the Oscars sure. right afterwards. I would also love to see that. But until that happens, I would just love to see... I mean, there's five nominees. I don't know if you could have an equal amount of men and women, but just like something where it's just like, we're just even having one woman nominate, uh, isn't a novelty where can you have two and you don't have to like, no one person has to have the burden and then gets asked all the stupid questions on the red carpet. It's just like, it's, it, it should be normal. It shouldn't be, uh, it should have to be a fight. Not in, not in 2020. It shouldn't have to be a fight, but and it's as often it is. And I think it actually, and it winds up being like a D I think my, my problem when people talk about the Oscars in this way, um, is not, 
the thing itself. It's more just like, oh, this is deeper than the Oscars. Like this is the, the Oscars are usually reflective of the industry and the industry is such that while more movies are being directed by women, which is great movies of different, of varying budgets, you know, it used yeah. to be that like, cause people did say that like, well, the reason that women aren't nominated is because the movies that are nominated usually are bigger budgets. They're more epic. They're more, uh, there's more spectacular and female directors are not usually trusted with budgets that big. Um, but that's, starting to change like even yeah, the but, then you're noted, a, but then that speaks to a kind of bigger systematic problem sure yeah. of course yeah um and so yeah i so the question it's it's almost like a chicken or the egg kind of thing which is like if you start if you start not if you were to start nominating like actively nominating like female directors um well an oscar not even an oscar nomination guarantees more work and then not just for you but people that look like you or, or, uh, people who can appeal to an, uh, a different type of audience or whatever. And so it's like, do you start doing that and then hope that the, that the industry catches up or do you try to make the change in the industry, which will probably take longer and be harder to do. And then the Oscars will probably just sort of by their very nature reflect that. I mean, if the Oscars are going to want to continue to feel like that, I mean, I guess like you said, it like, the Oscars are a time capsule no matter what. Sure. But if they, they're going to realize that importance and they have a whole museum coming up. So I suppose they do. Yeah. Then it, then it behooves them to uh, really think about that and they're yeah. nominating and who they choose as winners. Yeah. It's, I mean, if you're, if you're, if it's <laughs> like, if you're going to take the, uh, uh, you know, you're going to be so great that you have this museum that uh, I do look forward to. I used to work near it and uh, that area. Uh, and again, I'm a huge fan of 1988's Miracle Mile, which mm. uh, takes place right in there and has all the stuff going on at the uh, Johnny's Coffee Shop, which exists but is not an actual coffee shop anymore. Mm. It's just a f filming location and was also Bernie Sanders' headquarters in Los Angeles. I thought they tore it down. I think it's gone now. No, is it so? I thought I might, so. I'll probably be driving past it in a couple of weeks or something. Yeah. But um, I look forward to that museum. But it's like, okay, guys, if we're going to, if especially because every decision you the Academy makes is enshrined now, literally, yeah. then, yeah, it, it they need to really think it um, – and not just be like, oh, we're just reacting to Hollywood. Well, yes, I guess you're reacting to what films came out the, that year. But, man, look at it. Look at everything. Yeah. It just sucks. It's just like, dude, Parasite's a as much a regular movie. Dude, yeah. it's not that different from a Hitchcock movie. I thought, like, this is like if Hitchcock did a Ealing Studios black comedy. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the best part of it. And it's like... This is honestly that mid-budget adult kind of story that people say, like, oh, they don't make that anymore. It's like, here it is. Yeah. Yes, you have to read subtitles. You dork. Who cares? Yeah, and and I can understand. Yeah, this is there's a conversation I've been having for a long time, uh, and certainly, again, because I've been writing for that site, I've been really trying to engage with, like, a number of things because, you know, when you, despite being a, a politically conservative, uh, I'm still a movie person. 
and I might be I might be more of that than I am politically conservative. Um, I, I wish I wish you didn't have to feel like those are so. I I wish that as well. I hate to say it. It's coming from both sides. Sure, like no, if you yeah. were, I hate to put it this way, and I'm not trying to like get people to sympathize with someone they disagree with. God forbid. Uh, but like, if you're a conservative and you watch that ceremony tonight, how would you feel? Would you feel like Hollywood was interested in you at all? Tyler, I cannot even put myself in that mindset. And I okay. have to be completely honest with you. That's fine. That's I'm fine. sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. But what, what, what would, what would not nah, no, actually, what would you have a problem with? Because I know there was a lot of, celebrating of identity and I hear people on the conservative side criticize identity politics, but honestly, I feel like that's just people saying like, I don't want to hear from marginalized. It's Brad Pitt, like the first 20 seconds of Brad Pitt's speech. That was a joke. Yeah. So it's that. And then, uh, Josh Gad says, uh, uh, mentions frozen two or as, Climate change deniers. Like, okay, now we're talking about climate, climate change. Who's still a climate change denier at this point? What was that? Who's still a climate change Lots denier? Lots of people. Oh, come on. Well, man. it's the they deny the concept of man-made climate change. Um, Who cares? How about man-made changing it? Changing, changing it man, back? Changing, changing, fixing the fucking problem. Sure, sure. That's fine. But uh, so, yeah, again, please don't think that my bringing it up means that uh, I'm necessarily on board with it. But it's like so many people say, like, I am tired of these. If you'll pardon me, like, because uh, I was actually checking out some conservative Twitter while I was uh, watching the ceremony because I was Why curious to know watching? what they I thought they hated it. Well, specifically. You go back a, and just read all of Armin White's reviews in the National Review. That is so much fun to read those comments uh, because Armin White is like, super right leaning in many ways. Uh, but he still speaks in just like a completely indecipherable way. Okay. Why would that, that shouldn't confuse anyone of any political strife, but right. Okay. No, it's, I still enjoy, I've come to, I've come feel, to enjoy Armand white at this point in, in a, in a roundabout way. Here's the thing. People talk about performative woke. I think there's performative contrarianism. Oh, no question. And about in it. that in his case, like, I wish it wasn't that, but I feel yeah. like after like following on Twitter for like a hot second, like yeah. I read his he just reviews. Wants to, he just wants to needle people. I, I read his reviews Sometimes. and I feel like I'm listening to the scene with the architect at the end of matrix reloaded, where he's just like saying a lot of stuff and saying it pretty quickly all in one run on sentence. It would appear. And it's like, I know all these words and yet together the way you're using them, I don't quite understand what you're saying. Um, but anyway, uh, <coughs> So yeah, uh, but no, there's a there's a, a a guy who is a conservative commentator, but he also talks about Hollywood specifically, and uh, and so I was looking at at his stuff, and he just and sometimes some things he retweets and all that, and it's this idea. It's like it is a room full of millionaires who no, take not. who take private jet. Well, the some off, people often are the millionaires. Winners, often the winners. Again, this is my I'm I'm interpreting it. Right. It's a room full of millionaires who take private jets and then tell us not to do things. Um, they tell like they don't what were they care telling about you not to do well, except not put milk in your coffee. Well, like the idea, it's like carbon footprint, you know, like, uh, like how big is, yeah. uh, how big dom- is the carbon, that, carbon that footprint dominate, like dominate the, well, yeah, no Hollywood sure is, is a great, right. It's not as much of a pollutant as for example, the American military. Sure. Um, but 
I don't know. I think you have, you know, funny, one of the great things about Parasite Winning is that it's a film about class divide. And I do feel when, you know, my brother works in post and when you see the race to the bottom, that is um, post houses bidding on film of, you know, what film they get to work on. Yeah. Um, the fact that the people who did the special effects for Life of Pi, like went out of business at the same time yeah. winning Oscars. It's yeah. like, yeah, the you know, above the line people. Yeah. Um, some of them, they could be millionaires, although not necessarily yeah. liquid. Um, they could considering what houses cost and school and alimony. Um, they may <laughs> not have a lot like on them, but dude, once we get into sound mixing, once yeah. we get oh. to, once we get into costumes, once, and especially, um, think about this. You know, when you see how much um, a sports athlete gets paid, sure. Uh, think about, especially in football, that's ten years of their lives, and hopefully they will live to, you know, ideally seventy or eighty. Yeah. So, yeah, they're making a lot of money, and but you know, in professional sports and in Hollywood, there there are long dry spells. Yeah. There are long, and there there are point there are points, dude. I saw a documentary clip of Christopher Walken where he's saying like, yeah, you don't quit. Just the phone stops ringing. And I'm like, dude, Christopher Walken's phone stopped ringing. He's oh, Christopher Walken. I know. I feel bad about that, but yeah, no one saw nine lives. Um, and, and it's like, I would not think everyone there's having money fights. Right. I and mean, yeah, fucking Jeff. Well, Jeff Bezos isn't part of Hollywood. I mean, yes, but, but he's from the tech world. Um, it's more likely, I don't know. Yeah, it's so it's, here's, it's, here's an example. Not, I, would not, I would not say like eh, a bunch of rich assholes. It's, it's some people who fall into money and right. sometimes they get to keep it and sometimes they don't because there are much wealthier people born into wealth, people just in that world right. picking and choosing who gets to have a little bit of money this moment. Nine times out of 10, they're talking only about movie stars because they're the most visible and they don't know anybody else's name. Bro, stay so like after the <clears throat> credits, watch everybody. You don't watch have to tell me names. I'm talking to these dudes. So like, here's, here's a tweet that I then responded to. Welcome to the, Ian comments on tweets. Yeah. Section of the show. No, this is my comment. This is my, re right, my reaction. Fair. So, uh, this person said parasite, a movie about income inequality being honored by the 1% at the Oscars is well, perfect. It's like, all right, there's some sarcasm going on there. And I responded with a great movie was honored by a body that so rarely acknowledges true greatness. It is perfect. See, um, you just have a more positive outlook. Well, I wouldn't go. That's, I wouldn't argue that's, with that. That's, well, no, I, would, I didn't say I, I you would have a positive that. outlook. Yeah, yeah. I said you have a more positive yeah. outlook than what we're comparing it yeah. against. Well, like if we could just reduce it. By the way, there's people of all political stripes who just want to say like, ah, he's fucking. It's like these. They just want to dismiss the whole thing. It's like, I don't know if you want to be reductive, if you want to be dismissive, if you no. want to just say it's a room full of millionaires, if you just want to comment on articles that say, who cares? If you just want to say a yeah. scene that ex it has to explain something, I don't understand having such thinking everything has to be so perfunctory. And then taking the time to say it. If you're that much of a fucking just numbers person yeah. and you just see the world as, as X plus Y equals Z. Yeah. Then why are you even, why are you even 
Why are you even taking the time to verbalize this with the rest of us? And Why aren't you just doing my fucking taxes? And <laughs> Not that that's the only thing you're good for. But, I do, but if you're just that, if you're just, if you're just yeah. a numbers brain, if you're just like, if you're just all about sums yeah. equaling, if you're just math. Well, and that's the thing then is, math is it up on your math it up in your own world, baby. This ain't math time. So many we people are in theater class. And that's the thing is, is some would argue I'm not necessarily one of them for God's sake, I'm just trying to represent the other side because for the most part, it isn't when uh, people are talking about movies. Uh, but uh, no, it's, I think it, some would say like the Oscars, like the, the number of people that say like, I used to watch the Oscars until people started incorporating non thank yous into their speeches. Like until they started addressing politics like overtly. Now my answer is like, that has always happened. Yeah. That's not a new thing. Um, and I think it has to do with like, like I, what, so I mentioned Patty Chavsky earlier. Um, are you familiar with uh, the There's thing that he said? There's this whole thing with, um, is it Vanessa, Vanessa Redgrave? Vanessa Redgrave, yeah. Right? yeah. Who yeah. had a pro-Palestinian speech. Yeah. He and said like, we shouldn't use an Oscar for this. Meanwhile, the dude wrote Network, which is a whole fucking movie about speeches. Right. But I guess no one gave him any I, Oscars. I so that's fine. Well, he did win an Oscar for He Network, won an Oscar but, for it. Yeah. But um, that movie is uh, <laughs> Speeches, the movie. Yeah. Uh, and then he previously won before that for The Hospital, uh, which is similar. Um, but uh, I took the time to memorize his comments because I always, first off, I just love the way Patty Chayefsky writes. And clearly he prepared this like backstage. And uh, it feels like a Patty Chayefsky speech where he says, he says, let's see. He goes, I, he goes, I just wanted to say personal opinion, of course, that I am sick and tired of people exploiting the occasion of the Academy Awards, applause break, uh, for the propagation of their own personal and political propaganda, which is just such a Chayesky thing. He goes, I would like to suggest to Miss Redgrave that her winning an Academy Award was not a pivotal moment in history. It did not repri- uh, require proclamation and a simple thank you would have sufficed. Now, first off, the, the, the audience at the time loved it. Um, and what gets me is that if I, you know, David and I, like we have a movie related show. And while I do think art impacts, it, it like touches on everything. So I don't have a problem with us occasionally talking about politics on the show or religion or whatever. And I'm very much of the opinion that like, if I won an Oscar and look, I do have a documentary coming up soon. I have to assume it's going to be on you, the short list. You're getting, you're getting really behind it. You're putting the ads in Variety. Absolutely. The, the ads in and THR. I, and, and like the ads just say like, it's about time and just hope that they know what I yeah, mean. Because I don't even know what I mean. You up there on a podium. <laughs> yeah. Instead of an Oscar, it's the outline of an Oscar with a question mark. <laughs> Your face here. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like if I won an Oscar it is this weird thing. It's like on one hand, of course I would want to thank uh, the people that uh, allowed me to get there. And I probably would, but it's also just like, this is a rare situation Mm -hmm. where there are a lot of people watching, not as many as there used to be, but uh, there are a lot of people watching and I can say this thing, but I do often wonder, are they, are they swaying anybody? Like, are they even getting anybody asked to, to like ask questions? Like, is it just, that's kind of unanswerable. That's such a down to the individual thing that you just don't know. You don't know what sways people. Yeah. 
and it's, I guess it's like, you know, when I've, there was a time when I had three podcasts. So clearly I've got opinions about things. And anytime you put an opinion out there, you run the risk of, yeah, you might sway someone. You might also alienate someone, but you got to be true to yourself and say what works for you. I guess for me, it's more just like, and don't get me wrong, when Renee Zellweger did not care about the time limit, uh, which is fine with me. I liked her speech. Um, it's just this idea. It's like you have a minute at most. And it's just like, I just, maybe because I'm a ver- verbose person, obviously, uh, I just feel like I don't think I'd be able to make the point I want to make the way I want to make it in that short a time. I am a huge admirer of Pajkowski. Mm-hmm. As someone who's half Irish, half Jewish, a Jewish guy who calls himself Patty. <laughs> love it. Love it. And he does it the right way. The short, the shortening of Patrick, the male is P A D D Y. Yeah. Yeah. If you say anyone's spelling it St. Patty's day in March with two T's, that's the abbreviation of Patricia people get it right. Um, but like a simple thank you would have suffice. What, what she just goes up there and says, thank you and leaves. No, fucking no people wouldn't be angry at her meanwhile did you ever see joe pesci's speech for goodfellas no he goes up and he says it's my privilege thank you and he leaves oh, there <laughs> you go it feels acceptable even show only up this year <laughs> i know <laughs> i know which is hilarious care. he really doesn't care no i mean he does he i'm sure he retired. does yeah he just wants to sing now he has a new album out that's, joe pesci's still singing that does he actually Yes, it's called Joe Pesci still ellipsis singing. Because I know he put out like almost like not necessarily a rap album in the early 90s, but it was no, kind of kind of spoken word yeah. but with like rap beats behind it. But sort he, of. I, now, in fairness, he'll say he started as a musician before he was an actor. Him and sure. Frank Vincent, also <laughs> in Goodfellas. Yeah. They were like musicians before they were actors. Yeah. That's his first love. Yeah doing these old fucking songs but yeah he doesn't care but it's like think how embarrassing it is to have all those cameras and all those eyes on you sure you've got to you you want to just you can't and by the way you don't want to be seen as indulgent Mm -hmm. at a a time at a ceremony that's often is seen indulgent so you want to um protrude outward yeah I guess that might be an oxymoron, but you want to look outside yourself yeah. and focus on a, on a wider issue instead of just uh, talking about your management team. Yeah. it's Or else you just feel like, eh, what am I, just another fucking hack? I do wonder, though, at the same time, these days especially, there's just there's so many award shows. Like, Brad, let's go to Brad Pitt. He just won an Oscar. Obviously, Oscar is the highest one. But he had just gotten a Screen Actors Guild. He had just gotten uh, a Golden Globe. Like all these things. Like how many versions of the same speech can you give? Exactly. Like yeah. clearly, there's there probably is a, a strong temptation to like hold back like the big the hard stuff mm-hmm. until until the big one. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's uh, and that's the other thing is like there have been so many talk. There's been so much talk about uh, why the Oscars are. are failing quote unquote, but like their, their ratings are falling. Um, and 
again, in my circles, people are like, well, nobody wants to hear these celebrities say these things. They don't want to be preached at. They just want to see the fashion and I see I would love thank to you. see the actual, getting back to math, I would love to see the actual, like, how many speeches are like Yeah, political. it's like maybe three, uh, usually. Um, but and like even over then, the course of time, it probably makes up like 10%. Yeah. If, if that, the yeah. speeches. My, and we were talking about, I was talking about this with uh, former Academy of President Hawk Koch when he was on here. Um, they're like, there are so many reasons why the Oscars ratings are going down. One is that like, there used to be, it used to be that the Oscars were the, was the only place you could see your ba- your favorite yeah. celebrities. Now you see them everywhere. You can follow them on Twitter. You can and follow them on Instagram. It's not a big deal for movie stars to do television. It used yeah. to be verboten. Of course. I remember yeah. when Glenn Close did The Shield yeah. and then got damages. Like that was like, oh shit. And then Alec Baldwin's on Nip Tuck. What's going on? <laughs> like that, like, no, it's seriously as crazy yeah. as it feels now. Cause Alec Baldwin is on so much television. Yeah. It felt like a big deal. Like you yeah. would just not see people. You would think like they didn't even have the time to do television. Yeah. But like the fact that you could see, um, Al Pacino on your TV and not just the movie that came out four years ago. He's yeah. actually there that day. Like yeah. that is crazy at some point. Yeah, and it's and between that and it's like the Oscars isn't even the only ceremony exactly, that you'll see yeah. them at. There are yeah. there are a million of them now. Like even even Critics Choice. Like I'm shocked that Criti- the Critics Choice Awards are televised. They're critics. The Who gives awards? a shit? SAG Awards. Yeah, like I, I, underst- like I understand they're all I understand yeah. they're all different groups. I get that, but at the same time, it's just like we really don't need to televise all of these because it's. They're all just canceling each other out to a certain extent, I think. Um, or at the very least, they diminish the the Oscars. Sure. But um, I am interested to see what the ratings for this will be, mostly because it's three weeks earlier than it usually is. Um, I don't think that's going to make a difference, but you never know. Here's the thing. This is the last year when there wasn't a host. We were like, oh, that thing flew by. Mm-hmm. This is the one without a host that still had all the gunk. Yeah. Of, uh, of, um, that you get with a host. Uh, it felt weird for people to say their own name. They can't yeah. have an announcer go, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, they used to we, do that. Yeah, that what? They Even without a host, they, they had they that. They couldn't hire an announcer. Yeah. Uh, they, I don't know. It wasn't in the Every announcer in town has had some. Oh, guys. <laughs> it's, it's super See, that's racist. what happens. You put it three weeks. <laughs> They're too busy. Yeah. Um, so that was weird, although it, I'm sure Kelly Marie Tran had more lines in her moment in the Oscar <laughs> than she had in Rise of Skywalker. Um, but... Uh, that was weird. And then it was weird to do uh, something that celebrated music and then just bring out Eminem with uh, who was that not there to, to uh, receive his Oscar the first time. Yeah. Then to have him come out with a uh, mic that wasn't working. And then we were <laughs> robbed. I would say robbed of a chance to see Eminem and Elton John back together. Yeah, oh, that's true. But they, Opened up the Grammys that one year. Yeah. And people loved it. Elton John sang the Dido part of Stan. <laughs> yeah. It, it, we didn't get that this year. Why not? And if anything, there's more stands than ever. <laughs> and now, nothing. 
So uh, we probably should start uh, start wrapping up. Sorry for being so political, that, everybody. It's just it was it's, mentioned, on, it's, it's on it was, my mind. It was mentioned. It's, it's it's on everybody's mind these days. Everyone thinks they fucking know know what's going on, and yeah. by the way, they don't. Yeah. It was brought up by Julie Maya Rudolph. She'd host. I think she's great. Her and Kirsten Wig are just for her by herself. I do. I adore Maya Rudolph uh, in everything, by the way, whether it be SNL or The Good Place or when she's been on when the When she Oscars. was part of the Rentals touring band. One of, the way she sang Friends of P. Is that actually true? Yeah, she was in the, she's not on any of the records, but she was. The stuff you know the is weird band. to me. Um, she does. I, I don't know. I was know. the kid that always read the back of the cereal box. That's <laughs> of my secret. Of course you were. <laughs> You say kid. I'll bet you still. No, read I don't have the cereal. cereal. I only oh. have bacon and eggs. I try to keep a paleo. Uh, yeah, I'm. I, I'm I right haven't there with had you. like cereal, cereal, maybe 10, 15 years. Yeah, it. Uh, I gotta. I I'm miss those I gotta boxes. Get, I gotta get back on uh, on old uh, Atkins. I was. I've let myself go for a while, but anyway, I, I do like cornflakes, but it's just it's just bad. It just sticks. <sighs> cornflakes, the the most boring of no. all the cereals. You think that's boring? Yeah. You ever had muslix? Oh yeah, no, no, Never that's mind. like <laughs> licking a tree. <laughs> Um, but if you add milk to that tree, you're fine. I never oh, have no. milk with cereal. I've never had milk. I've had milk with cereal, but you just I eat dry cereal. Mm-hmm. Huh? That's interesting. Uh, I feel real weird about milk on a spoon. <laughs> like that always just seemed wrong to me. <laughs> it's <coughs> just like morally wrong. I don't know. Not no. It's just like why is milk on a spoon? Milk goes in cups. Yeah, milk goes in cups. Okay, I see. It felt weird to me as a kid. Oh, not according to Joaquin Phoenix. Milk doesn't yeah, go anywhere. Guys, no milk. Again, yeah. I'm not actually uh, totally against what he was saying. Sure, but, sure. But fucking Glenn, milk. What, what if milk, what if the next commercial was for milk? And oh, then suddenly boy. Kraft is calling up ABC. It's like, you get that anti-milk shit off. Yeah, and I just Patty Chayefsky comes on. It's like, we don't, the Academy doesn't have to be about anti-milk. People are like, he's dead. He came back to make this speech. I picture the uh, the craft guy. Obviously, he's got a big stogie in his mouth. It's like, you tell that Phoenix son of a bitch that I pay his salary. Hey, if it wasn't for whole milk, that Phoenix wouldn't rise. Had, let me tell you something. Uh, voices. Uh, what I was going to say is uh, Maya Rudolph, uh, I, I adore her in a lot of things. I will say, I think she's at her best when she is reacting to other people. Then um, have it, yeah, have it be her and Kirsten Wig. You know Kirsten what? Wig, yeah. What if that show with her and Martin Short actually took off? I did enjoy and that then, show. Yeah, yes. so they would, well, I guess that was an NBC show. So yeah. the Oscars would have to go back to NBC for sure. them to do it. But maybe she gets an ABC show. Maybe up all night comes back. <laughs> this time on Martin Short could host the Oscars. I bet he doesn't have anything. Martin uh, Short and Steve Martin. Sure, I mean, they do that. They do that two man show now. Oh, do they actually? Yeah, oh, that's right. Netflix yes, special. yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, just as far as they okay, one, don't want anyone that feels old like Billy Crystal and Steve Martin and Martin Short. They probably just feel old. I guess so. I mean, I know that they are. Pro- they're all like in they're their sixties the, at least. Yeah. Um, when I th- like I think of Martin Short as just like so and so like energetic. I yeah. don't think of him as old. No, um, Steve Martin definitely seems older uh, at this point, but he he always has he's had a, like he's a quiet had yeah white hair yeah. Um, 
But uh, so one thing that just looking at my notes here, one thing that I did want to mention, I do really like uh, rather than show specific clips for like the acting nominees. Oh, instead, yeah. They did this blending, this montage thing, Mixtape, which baby. I really like. And they had the things speak to each other. We had Burt Reynolds say, like, don't lose yourself. And then Eminem comes on and says, lose yourself. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, that felt that a little. Burt Reynolds clip was mic'd better than Eminem, but <laughs> maybe maybe his mic worked fine. But he was just saying nothing but terrible profanity. He was just whispering. He was just like, "Hey guys," or he's just, he's like, "It's like, come on, Marshall, you can do it. You can do it. Oh, come on, mom, spaghetti." <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I really liked those those montages because it also f- takes the it takes the performances and finds like a commonality to them like for like supporting actor you've got uh you've got laura dern talking about motherhood then you've got scarlett johansson and jojo rabbit kathy bates like it brings those together and you're like oh wow this is like i'm noticing if i don't know if they plan this at all like in the nominations themselves i don't think they plan this at all but we have we found a real common theme here um and then like with best actor you have like these five performances like four of them are just like so so tumultuous and and all that and then you've got this pope character yeah uh, he's a real person what's up he's a real person no what yes he's the two pope anthony hopkins was he's one one. he's pope one yeah (laughs) yes and uh, And and then he was pope two the cat in the hat Shows up and says, I'm here with Pope one and Pope two <laughs> and they'll help clean up around the house. One thing that I did clean up certain accusations as well. <laughs> That's very WC fields, by the way, <laughs> clean up certain accusations as well. Um, one thing I did find funny was when we saw the nominees for adapted screenplay and it said like the two popes based on the play, the Pope. And I like the idea <laughs> that the screenwriters like people are not going to understand if we say one Pope and we've got two on the screen there, it's going to blow you their can't minds. Say the Pope. Cause then people say, Oh, is this a young Pope? And you'll be like, oh, shit, oh, shit. it's not a young Pope. Well, <laughs> If it's not a young pope, certainly it's a new pope. Well, oh, one of no. them's new. And you got, <laughs> guys, I got it. The two popes. And then after the credits, what shows up? Bam, third pope. <laughs> what were we Get ready for the sequel. Three popes. It, Ratzinger's still alive, right? He's still alive. Yeah, yeah. he's probably living in a mansion in Germany. Probably sure. won't speak to anybody. Makes sense. I wonder if he's seen the film. He has some notes. Hey, lighten yeah. up the scene. He calls up and he's like, hey. I didn't know who the Beatles were. <laughs> Still just, don't. Don't want to know. Goes, I'm a Rolling Stones man. I don't know if you guys know if I, uh, that I was, uh, I was, and in fact still am uh, German, not British. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Price did a, he did a, a, an, an accent, accent yeah, Argentinian yeah. accent. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins, Hopkins was just like, couldn't oh. be bothered. He wanted to go back to Niblo, his cat Niblo. <laughs> Anthony uh, Hopkins on Twitter, folks. Absolutely his, great. Him and Sam Neill. I will. Oh boy, I'll have they're to check the best, that out. They're the best use of Twitter. Anthony Hopkins will just play the ukulele, <laughs> or he'll just show up with his cat Niblo. It's wonderful. <laughs> Niblo is such an adorable name. Uh, the Will Ferrell and Julie Louis Dreyfus uh, bit was funny. Like, uh, I mean, it made us all want to go see uh, downhill movie. Yeah, downhill. I was, the the only thing in my head was Force Majeure, but I know that's not. <laughs> they didn't call be. it that. Yeah. No, it's. Uh, <clears throat> I, I enjoy. I feel like Will, you put Will Ferrell and Maya Rudolph together. 
I think we've got some good hosts there because I enjoy yeah. both of them. And I think Will Ferrell, like when he's done, when he's back, uh, gone back and forth with like another presenter, I think it works really well. Um, and just like when they talk about how much they just hate editors, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, and then, uh, we got, uh, James Corden and, uh, Rebel Wilson oh dressed as cats. And, uh, that worked for me actually. I don't know. I think I think I liked the I liked their commitment to having their I, hands. I like that uh, their, in their, front of them. their thing at the beginning was just <laughs> saying, kind of just implying what was wrong with cats. Yeah, that they know that it the, fell down in digital effects. Yeah, the importance of visual effects, and they say it together. And and there's like there's an initial laughter, and then there's the knowing laughter in the in Meanwhile, the audience. Yeah, Tom Hooper's. Back at home, yeah, crying his eyes out and drying it with his Oscar that he won yeah, for uh, sticking his. Oh, that's what Oscars are great for, folks. They don't tell you they're make a great. They're actually very porous. <laughs> they're super absorbent. Yeah, it's like you just. It's actually a little lock in the in the stand in the pedestal. Yeah, beautiful those napkins. It's like it's like it's like a quilt. It's beautiful, and so yeah, he's drying his eyes back at home. He's singing yeah. like if I had my druthers, beautiful ghosts would be sung. Of course. But we didn't have any beautiful ghosts. Um, I would. Instead, we just have memories of Scooby-Doo episodes, which have fake ghosts. They put the take the. They, they were beautiful. Off. They were beautiful. Oh, yeah. I mean, old man McGillicuddy in his amusement park. <laughs> I had the hots for him. Oh, boy. That's All right. it. <laughs> Okay, we're gonna have to leave uh, leave it at that. Um, but yeah, listeners, uh, feel free to uh, weigh in in the comments what you thought of uh, this year's Oscars, what you thought of the winners, what you thought of the ceremony, uh, what you uh, I'm, undoubtedly I probably turned you off uh, with my political comments, and uh, I've I, I'm extremely tired now because I chose to go down that path. So, uh, but yeah, so feel free to weigh in. Uh, I myself am th- this going in. This was gonna be like the most predict like the most predictable Oscars like picture and director. We're going to go to 1917. The guild awards predicted that the golden globes predicted that. And then, uh, to, and, and it seemed like, all right, parasite gets foreign film and screenplay. And there but, you go. But then also one of the, uh, um, advantages of doing the Oscar draft is we get to see the awards build up across every, pretty much every yeah. friggin' awards, uh, whether it's the Golden Globes or what the Ohio film critics thought. And eventually you just saw the acting foursome of Dern Pitt, Joaquin Phoenix, Zellweger and Zellweger just clean up, just that foursome, just bam, 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 just down the line. And they won and great. They all did great work. Yeah. But, um, and so, yeah, it's, things started feeling predictable. And then we thought, 1917 is going to win. 1917, a film that made me realize, hey, you know what I like in movies? Close-ups. We watch, <laughs> We honestly, we go to movies to see beautiful people work out emotions in giant faces. I think that, like, on a primordial level, that's why we go see movies. Um, and, I, and I watched 1917, and I'm like, cool, you made a movie without close-ups. For the most part. Mm -hmm. And uh, I felt what was missing more than what was there. So the experiment failed. But uh, fucking I don't know why. People loved it. 
And Sam Mendes was going to win an Oscar for another. Is his second undeserving Oscar. Yeah. After American Booty. And uh, luckily, folks, luckily, people realized stories of class differences and people trying to get by and how desperate people have to be to get by. Yeah. Cross to cross language barriers. Yeah. Cross generations. Crossed, uh, by the way, because I assume, I just, I don't know. I feel like maybe this is because of the way when I talk to my parents, uh, who, by the way, are dirty immigrants, but they, even they have trouble with films with subtitles. I'm going, mm-hmm. what the fuck is the problem? You can read, can't you? And then, you know, after you turn 50, your eyes go to hell. Sure. They don't want to admit that the <coughs> subtitles are too small. Yeah. But thankfully, a bunch of over 50s, they were able to get their kids to read the subtitles or something. Sure. I don't know. But well, they probably could hire their own uh, yeah. interpreters. All those know. millionaires. They just had everyone in the academy is a millionaire. They just as had, soon as uh, you get into the academy, you get a stipend. That's no, see, they million. just give you a big bag they with a dollar give you a sign big on it. Scrooge McDuck bag. <laughs> exactly. You actually have to bounce on it with your cane, <laughs> but you get it. Uh, going with the video game. That's I right. Love it. Um, yeah, and you know what? It's a weird thing, and I realize that everything I'm that what I'm about to say kind of runs counter to, to what I've said already. Um, Go for it. <clears throat> that over the counter, Tyler. That's what I want. OTC tie. Why don't you just shut your mouth for two seconds? All right. Uh, Jason's not here. I got to make up. <laughs> That's true. Yes. I usually tell him to shut his mouth. Um, that uh, like, you know, we've been talking like, critic people like we've been talking about parasite for months now. And now as we, and it was just such a shoe in. It's like, it's like, Oh, it's going to win foreign film. That goes without saying. And yeah. like, and hey, it's good. It's going to win screenplay. Good for yeah. them. Yeah. Good for him. Parasite has one best picture. Like it will be, you mentioned that there's an enshrining aspect. Yes. It's going to, it has it's, a type of immortality, yeah. the when, type of immortality that Argo and the artist. Exactly. Right. Like that's, but that's the thing is like going through the best picture nominee, the best picture winners, like, yeah. like Josh and I were doing, uh, it forces us to watch a, a lot of movies that <clears throat> nobody's talking about anymore. Like, Oh, the greatest show on earth. What? Like nobody, cared about that years afterwards. Um, and, but every once in a while it forces you to watch it. Like if you're, if you're simply like, I'm going in blind, I'm just watching every best picture. That means 50 years from now. Yeah. As if people decide to work their way through the best pictures, they're going to get to parasite, not 1917. 1917, I think is a, is a, Fine film from a technical standpoint. I think it's it's ambitious and I appreciate that. It's a curiosity. It's a curiosity. I think there's a lot of commitment involved specifically by the actors and I don't begrudge them that at all. Uh, But at the same time, I actually feel like Parasite's ambitious in a different way. And I think it pulls it off perfectly. I think it is a damn near perfect film. And, uh, and now if someone is, if someone's going to go through and, wa- and watch every Best Picture winner, they now have to watch Parasite, and they will be all the better for it. And so I'm very excited about like this small sliver of like Hollywood history, and that Parasite 
a non-Hollywood film is now firmly, undeniably a part of it. And also, if they're going, you know, if they're starting at the beginning with Wings and they don't mix it up and just start watching the sitcom with Tim Daly, um, if they really start with Wings and then they move move on further and further, frankly, they're going to watch a lot of movies with old British dudes going like meh. Um, and that's fine. Lawrence Olivier Hamlet. That is a good Charles Lawton in Mutiny exactly, on the Bounty. Exactly. Mr. Christian. And so meh. when they get to Parasite, they're going to be like, holy shit. Yeah. It's like, yes. And I'm like, I want more people to have those holy shit moments to and, the point where it doesn't feel like a holy shit moment. And if they're working backwards, like Josh and I were, they'd be like, this Parasite movie's amazing. What's up next? And then they'd watch Green Book and they'd be like, they're like, oh, oh no one eats boy. a pizza like that. <laughs> and then the way they, 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 they go from brilliantly stacking pizza boxes sure. to some guy eating a pizza like a taco. What a fucking disgrace. You know what? Now that I think about it, in Shape of Water, Sally Hawkins, to bond with the fishman, she puts entire pizzas on this the, is, on the side of his tank. Oh, my God. And yeah, Moonlight. Pizza. I think they have pizza. There's a moment where like they have pizza with the kid. Yeah. Yeah. The kid's eating pizza in moonlight in spotlight. A priest uses a a pizza to like lure a kid in to his office. (laughs) I would love to have it on a string (laughs) or no. It's like, it's It's, like when they have like a hundred dollar bill. He's got a box being held up by a stick and in it is a pizza and a kid goes in. Oh no, they're stuck in the box. I should say, Tyler's spotlight comments are not endorsed by either of the two popes or a young pope or a new pope. The new pope, maybe. Oh, that new pope. It's got the eyeliner. I don't know. You see which, the ads for that new pope? Which one is the new pope? Is John that the Malkovich one? is the new pope. Okay. Which one is Jude, Jude Law's Law? young pope? That's the young pope. Yeah. And then there's the new pope. Yeah. Malkovich is older, so I guess he's are these, young. Are these shows related? Yeah, they Jude, are Jude Law. Jude Law like gets in a coma. Okay, so he's not like dead, but he's in a coma, and so John Malkovich is the new pope, and then Jude Law gets out of the coma, and it's like now. So guess what? Now we have two, now popes, we get two now. popes. Fucking four popes. <laughs> four popes. Four fur- furious is what we have. <laughs> Folks, I know the Fast and the Furious fourth movie did not use a number in its title. It was just called Fast Furious. Yeah, it was just called Fast and Furious. They use the thes. Oh, uh, who gives a shit? Hmm? That may be the biggest franchise going. Oh, oh, I know. A lot of people I know. give a shit. By who, I mean me. I don't give a shit. I've never seen a Fast and Furious movie. When I tell my college students that, they are astonished. And so that's that's what I use whenever, like, because this is not to, like, toot my own horn or anything, but, like, students often say, like, it's like, have you just seen, like, every movie? It's like, no, I have giant blind spots. And I say, for example. Blind spot. The movie, yeah, it's true. I haven't seen it, um, but uh, but yeah, and I say like I haven't seen any of the Fast and Furious movies, and like what? Like they can't, they cannot process that. Yeah, that's like being in the sixties and saying you haven't seen a James Bond movie. Probably, yeah, or yeah. I guess any time. Yeah, but in like in the sixties, sure, like they were all in the sixties. They made like they were like there was like one a year. Yeah, now it's just like ugh, every five five years. Seriously, four or five years. Who's making Look the it next up. one? It Carrie Fukunaga. Oh, okay, that's right. No that, time, which no, excites me. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Not Sam Mendes. 
That's Although correct. I liked, I liked Skyfall. I love Skyfall. I think Spectre is fine. Uh, I think the first 10 minutes are solid. Those fucking Craig movies. It's one, it's one's good. One's bad. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't even see quantum of solace. I heard it wasn't that good, but anyway, enough of that. Enough of James Bond. The Obviously, Bond franchise has been better than it's been a long time though. We have to admit that. Do we have Craig. to? The Brosnan years near the end. Oh boy. Sure. I like Goldeneye. Gold. Yeah. Goldeneye thing is, when a new actor comes in, it's always pretty strong. Mm. And usually their best movies are first. I think that's true for Goldeneye. I think that's true for um, Roger Moore, even though that film's weird. Uh, All the Moore it, films are weird in their own they're, way. Yeah, he's in, a, he's in a fucking clown thing. He's yeah. A, um, and Timothy Dalton's, he's only two. I mean, Timothy Dalton's best movie is, of course, Flash Gordon. Um, but obviously that's where we're ending. What role does he play in flash? Gordon? He's a prince of the forest people. <laughs> of course he is. He has to you, like just go. Keep, you just keep pulling me in. Uh, flash Gordon's the next thing on my what watch if, list. Uh, I didn't know there were forest Max, people. Yeah. Much less. There was a prince. Yeah. They're led by Timothy Dalton. That was before he was James Bond. You don't say he was also in the lion in winter. Yeah, as long as we're bringing up great. old uh, old jokes, I don't know if you know or not, but I was in a it was in, I was in the play The Lion in Winter, and I won Best Actor in the state of Missouri year two thousand. So like, you know, I've got that. You've got Flash Gordon, and uh, now we have a bit I wasn't for next in year. a production of Flash Gordon. Although boy, that would oh boy, that's an I oversight. would love to play Clytus. <laughs> I would be a great Clytus, a character that they totally made up and just said, hey, let's take uh, Jason King. Peter Wingard, put him in a Dr. Doom mask. We're good. I love him. What kind of voice would you do if you played? I would just do, uh, I would just do Peter Wingard. I would just do. Yes, that is the planet known as Earth. I would just do Jason, uh, Jason King, his character. Peter Wingard. Have you never seen? Well, how much 60s British television have you watched, Tyler? I know you get asked that a lot. I'd say like 95% of it. The Avengers episode with the original Hellfire Club before, which is where Chris Claremont got the name for the thing in the X-Men. I uh, No, I didn't. Watch that episode. It's one of the first Emma Peel episodes back when the Avengers was in black and white. And uh, Peter Wingard is in it. A rare mustacheless Peter Wingard. I know, <laughs> folks. Yeah, you can hardly wait to catch it yourself. Um, watch that original Hellfire Club episode. Emma Peel, Diana Rigg is in a crazy leather outfit near the end of it. Folks, it is a great episode of television. If I'm not mistaken, I believe there is a Marvel villain, an X-Men villain named Jason Wingard. Is that true? Yeah, that's where Chris Claremont. Okay, Chris so he Claremont did get got, it from like the, like um, Mastermind. Mastermind, is, yeah. yeah. He got that from that episode. I mean, Chris Claremont grew up in Britain, came to America. He probably you know watched that Avengers episode. He probably watched Department S and Jason King, the shows that Peter Wingard was on. He took that stuff. He knew like eh, Americans aren't going to know what the hell this is. Although yeah. the Avengers became popular in America during the 60s yeah. and then um, they made that super popular movie in oh, 1998 great film with uh sean connery ray talked to a bunch and, of yeah. teddy bears i that's never the saw one it. scene that's good he talks to teddy bears yes like actual has, teddy bears he has all 
these rich people in as part of his plan, but he wants them to keep their identity secret. So they all have to dress as teddy bears and they're all around a boardroom. And he's, he's also in a teddy bear thing when he takes his head off and he goes like, oh, I've gathered you here, but all your identities are secret. I should say that is very close to how the original Avengers were. It wasn't that quite that silly, but it got there in terms of humor, but the rest of it, Oh boy. Well, they, like, right. they sort of like kill Emma Peel and try to bring her back. I don't know. And they have Jim Broadbat playing Mother. And of course, Mother wasn't in the Emma Peel episodes. He was in the Tara King episodes. So why was he in a movie where it's Steed and Peel? They should have saved them. For I, the love, the, I love that. Uh, I love that comedy group. That, uh, that show on Comedy Central, Steed and Peel. <laughs> They oh, I'm sorry. Great. Did I bother you with a thing that I just said? No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Okay, thank you. All right. It's just like you. I'm sure you have a lot of 56 year old listeners who grew up watching old spy stuff, and uh, you know they love the fact that I'm bringing up you know old uh, British spy shows. I imagine folks, if be- you want to talk to me about danger, man, you can get me at, at Ibril on Twitter. We can talk. Well, danger man was what it was called in uh, Britain. It was called secret agent man in America. That's where you get the song. Uh, of course, uh, Patrick McGowan was wonderful there. He, you could say he took the character and made that the character, the prisoner, but we don't really know, <laughs> but it's fun to think of it like that. It is fun, isn't it? And of course, you, if you want to talk about the, the, Columbo episodes that Patrick McGowan did. He starred in a few. He actually directed a few. It'd be great. He was the king in Braveheart. I know that. Yeah. yeah. The pro- the trouble with Scotland is that it's full of Scots. I remember liking that uh, yeah. that line and his delivery of it. All right, Braveheart winner of Best Picture, talking Oscars. Exactly. What did you think we of the ceremony? It, we all brought it back, and I thought, well. I was sad that Flash Gordon didn't win. I, and you might say, Ian, that movie came out in 1980. It probably didn't have a chance. And I'm like, yeah, I love an underdog. Is that sure. so wrong? Yeah. Yet again. You know what? I'm hoping for next year. I'm. Why haven't you seen that fucking movie? That This is the one you latch on to. I've, there are that so many movies I haven't so seen. Great. Here's the thing. Also, for the record, I did see it when I was a kid. You I did had no, see it? Yeah, I have no memory of it. No, um, no, not fucking. Hawkman. I remember Flash. Ah, uh, yes. I remember that, and that's it. I remember hating. It. You know what? If I'm being honest, I probably didn't watch all of it. I probably turned it off because I didn't like it. Because frankly, as a kid, I probably didn't get what it was doing. I, if I were to watch it now, I would probably enjoy it in the same way that I enjoy Sky Captain, The World of Tomorrow, and The Rockets here, yes. and that sort of thing. I think I'd probably like it quite a yes, bit now. Yeah. But now. I'm making a promise to you, myself, and the listener. I'm never going to see it. Well, because of you. Because you push too hard. Well, you know what? That just means you're probably going to go out and see the movie that I wanted you to see all along, which is Star Crash. Oh, Um, no. I just watched it. (laughs) A wonderful film (laughs) with uh, Jerry Spinelli and David Hasselhoff and Christopher Plummer. I know Star Crash. And that is the true... They're basically Star Wars for queer kids is what I wanted to say. That's why I love them. But it's also like Star Crash and, and, and Flash Gordon. They're what? They're Star Wars for weirdos. Star Wars feels like it's We've been recording kids. so long. I don't want to bring this up. And yet you've put me in a position to say. Star Wars feels that like when it's for I was, cool kids. 
when I was a kid, uh, so my parents would rent movies that they thought we would like and then record them on to like a blank VHS tape. They did it all the time. One of the things, and when you're a kid, you just watch whatever's yeah. available. Yeah. And you don't know if, so, you don't know that like, oh, this terrible Star Wars uh, Roger Corman ripoff, uh, or this, sorry, this Star Wars ripoff that is a Roger Corman movie. Like you don't think in those terms. You just <clears> think <throat> of, it's more of the thing Are I you like. talking about? Battle Beyond the Stars? No. The one, what were you talking about? I'm talking about Space Raiders. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, and so, like, I loved Star Wars, and this was just more of that. Yeah. And so, I was. I just loved it. I, I loved watching them fight. Like, I wasn't thinking about budget. I was thinking, like, hey, little alien character. That's fun. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I adored it. Have you seen Space Raiders? I've never seen Space Raiders. You should check it out. I will we'll check it out. You know what? We're going to have a double feature. You're yeah. going to come over to my house, whether yeah. you want to or not. We're watching Space Raiders. It sounds and we're like watching your boy's Fla- getting kidnapped. <laughs> we're watching Flash Gordon. I, I'm not against that. All right. We're doing it. Um, I love Star Wars ripoffs. And that, I like yeah. Star Wars. I mean, I think I, Star Wars ripoffs get kind of get the spirit better. Do you? Let me ask you this: When you do you officially, when you're talking about a Star Wars ripoff, does it have to take place in space? What do you mean? Well, what else? What? Give me Willow. an example. Willow is a. It's, oh, it's well, I don't Lucas. consider that a ripoff because George Lucas originated it. But I do from like a sto- from a story standpoint. Like, I mean, it's that's Willow. There's is, a Han think, Solo. There's a Mad Mardigan. Uh, that's him. But I think uh, Luke. That's Lucas trying to recapture. Process yeah, Tolkien. Sure. Where Star Wars is him processing really Kurosawa. Um, sure. But also Dune, Frank Herbert's Dune. Um, whereas I think Lucas. Like a lot of baby boomers interested in fantasy red Tolkien. Yeah. There are like certain shots when you have like Willow has the army of little dwarfs. Yeah. Sorry about that. Little dwarfs. I didn't say like seeing little dwarfs. It's an oxymoron for one. <laughs> but um when when you just see them walking, I'm like, oh, before there were Lord of the Rings movies, you'd, you'd yeah. be like, you could fool yourself into thinking like this is Lord of the Rings. I think that's Lucas basically paying tribute i guess but yeah. also i just want to see like you know but trying to work out his but from level. a story standpoint still thinking in the same terms but just like so not necessarily a ripoff it's just that lucas likes the same things yeah in 1988 that he did in 1977 yeah and is just filtering it through this other because like even the character of general kale named after pauline kale obviously yeah. uh with his little mask like even he He's not nearly as effective as uh, as Darth Vader, and he's not as high profile. No, yeah. But again, like you've got this villain in a mask, and he needs to be you know killed and all that sort of thing. So, and there's an emperor type character with the yeah. Bath Morda, and I liked it. I loved it when I was a kid because, of course, like, it, it oh, pushes I saw all Willow the same buttons. Recently, at a big like seventy millimeter showing, and Ron Howard was there, and you know something like that is really fun to see. Yeah. But I before it was on Disney Plus, I searched everywhere for that willow dvd because that was a film that was not streamed for a long time yeah and i remember that being on like kcal 9 or ktla 5 for some reason along all the time yeah they would always show the scene where they're on the sled on the snow yeah crashing into the little hut and i'm like dude this is so great and then there are the ewoks movies which i as a kid found terrifying we got first the first star wars films i watched were those movies those are the, that's probably enough to well, definitely very, interest very you in the universe. Yeah. Um, okay. We do need to end. Uh, it's getting late and I've got, a, a, I have not, 
<laughs> I have a syllabus for an entire course to plan. So uh, and, and and now it'll all be like Italian Star Wars ripoffs. It'll be you know, Star Crash is the big one. Is it? Because that's the Italian film. That's them. And you know what? That like a lot of the act, a lot of like the lesser known actors in Space Raiders are Italians. It's, as well. it's they they just it was cheaper to make a movie there. Yeah, and they just made a bunch. I loved it. That's one of the things I loved about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They just yeah. it was a tribute to both sixty televisions, which I'm sixty television, which I'm obsessed with. Yeah, an old exploitation uh, Italian films where like it's clear that no none of the actors are speaking the same language and they're all dubbed. I yeah. love it. Man, I just want like I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood three times now. And I just want to watch it again. Like, it's just, it's such a, it's people a have referred to it as like can, a hangout movie. Yes, you can luxuriate. <clears throat> yeah. Like, it's definitely, there's a lot going on there and mm-hmm. I love it. I think I consider it beautiful, not just visually, just in a larger sense. Um, and, uh, and I just love how unabashedly obsessed with movies it is. Like, it yeah. is a movie made by someone who clearly loves movies. But it's weird enough, obsessed with movies at a time where movies were actually hitting the skids yeah there's a lot of tv in there yeah television just because the television production was just so ramped up and the film production was not and that's why we kind of don't talk about like krakakoa the java film film that's showing up the cinerama dome uh at the time or people don't talk a lot about the matt helms movies unless they talk about 60s spy stuff um but um People do still talk about Batman and Star Trek. Well, and you, it's I don't interesting know if they talk about other. Well, maybe Man from Uncle. I feel like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I have no idea why I feel this way, but it does such a good job. It's it's. I don't think it necessarily looks at that time with just like pure nostalgia, but it looks at it with affection to such Ooh. an extent that I find myself wishing, like wishing that I lived during that time where Every you only had three networks. And it's like, Hey, Sunday is, is FBA. I and wish I wish I could live in that time. Yeah. Every fucking day. It's, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I'm happy that I live where I live now, but at the same time, and you when still I live, live where you, Brad Pitt does not in that movie does not live that far from where you actually, uh, that's true. Yes. Not to give away where Tyler doesn't live behind a drive-in. Right. But no, it's, oh, cause I saw it at a, at a nearby theater yeah. when I first saw it. And when he pulls off yes. uh, that, the, the off ramp, like people in my theater cheered cause like, Hey, he's near us. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just, it's a situation where like, it's weird to yearn for like limitations, but the idea of only having like well, three yeah. or four networks it, and you just, you've got your show focused. and you love it. Yeah. It feels like, especially now you could, there's a certain anxiety. Yeah. Um, you know, Stanford, uh, economics from Stanford recently had a paper where it said like people who cut out Facebook are 25 to 40% happier. And I'm like, I totally uh, yes. understand that. That's definitely and true. It's like, there's definitely an anxiety to a lot of social media and stuff. And I feel like that was a time of where people were also dealing with identities and, um, change and there was upheaval, but it felt like there was a focus to it. Yeah. Stuff. Unfortunately, then the Manson killings changed that all. And then of course the great thing about once upon a time in Hollywood is he creates a fantasy around that. And it's like where, yeah, he, he allows us to continue in this 
in this world. The, that, yeah, we're like that 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 golden age never yeah. ended. Like, you know, it's it's this thing. I don't want to be somebody who complains about streaming services or anything. But, you know, there are the shows that I watch and I love them. Like for but at the same time, like uh, like I was watching Curb Your Enthusiasm the other day, um, but I was watching it on HBO Go. Yeah. And I realized like, oh, I need to I like there was an errand I needed to run that I forgot about. So I was like, oh, I'll just stop this and I'll and I'll watch it later. Well, that wasn't an option. And then before you know it, like two days have gone by before I can return to it. Whereas like that wasn't an option. It's literally like, are you watching this show? You're watching it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's your option. Either watch it or you don't watch it. You're not going to be able to record it. Yeah. You can't return to it later. Maybe there'll be a rerun or something like that, but this is what you're doing. Like the concept of appointment television or, or something like, I feel like it just, it, it almost forced you to take your your media and your art more seriously. Same thing with movies. Like, if you loved a movie, well, one, it would be in theaters longer, but you would wait until hopefully the studio put it back into circulation or rep houses had it, or you would just... It was even a big deal for me as a kid for the ABC Sunday night movie mm -hmm. where you're just like, it's, it's going to be on TV. Finally. Like yeah. you can, and it's like until then it's just in your mind's eye. Yeah. And it, there is kind of a power that grows as yeah. you're just playing it in the projector room in your head. Like even in, even in our lifetimes, like yeah. even in the nineties, the idea of the world tell, I still remember the world yes. television premiere of Jurassic park. They would hype that thing yeah. for, for oh, <laughs> like weeks. Yeah. And then, it was huge. It'd be a huge ratings getter. And I remember like, of course there'd be commercials and stuff. And then you get to the, the, the home stretch and they say, we return it. And we now return to Jurassic park with no further interruption. That's right. And Which, I remember being the way, like, there's like five minutes. Left. Yeah, exactly. But it let you know that like, here we go. Yeah. We're, we're, we're in it. Uh, yeah. And, and I hate to be someone who like gets nostalgic over just the past, but again, just as far as viewing habits, I do think that they have changed and people become, can be, can be a lot more passive these days because you can always go back. Yeah. I do worry as much you know. as we can explore more. I do worry if that kind of people appreciate things less and are, and are, and are, um, not offended, but are angry at something like the Irishman that demands your attention. Sure. Even though it's oh. on Netflix. Yeah. And people are saying like, oh, you could chop it up. And I guess you could. Yeah. But I'm just like, no, watch it all at once. Joe Pesci came back to acting. You yeah. can spare four hours. Yeah. Maybe you can't. I don't know. Oh, come on. Joe Pesci came back for <laughs> us. What, you want to watch that <laughs> fucking movie where Tim and Helen Mirror run a... Uh, uh, that's right. Love, that was his last Love movie. Ranch? Yeah, that was his yeah, last yeah. movie. That's Taylor Hackford, right? Because he's married to yeah, Helen Mirren. Yeah. Um, okay, enough of that. We've been recording far too long. So before we get off on some other subject and then talk for 10 more minutes, uh, I'll just say that, uh, yeah, everybody, um, you can uh, go to battleshipretention.com and check out uh, the various articles. Uh, there's uh, the top 10 of 2019, the bottom 10 of 2019. Uh, the BP uh, winners uh, have been announced. And then if you want to actually listen to the BP, ceremony which is to say me david and scott talking about the winners um you can uh, find that on patreon uh, uh tiers start as low as two dollars per month uh and it's a really great way to to uh to support the show and we actually have a really fun patreon episode coming up uh in a couple of days so uh so do check that out because i think you would really enjoy it but in the meantime uh ian where can people find you online I'm twitter 
just I Brill at I Brill. Okay, there's an Ian Brill who is from Philadelphia. Fuck him. West Philadelphia born. In, he got in touch with me in MySpace in the MySpace days. Oh he seemed, wow, he seemed like an okay guy. He was an artist. Yeah, but uh, yeah, for it's just I Brill. You can think of which is you know an easy way to remember my name, but also turns me into an Apple product. Sure. The eyebrow new and improved. Exactly. And much more costly yeah. on Facebook. And I once works for two years and then <laughs> that, that, that hits a little Maybe that's true. You definitely need an upgrade. Yeah. Um, the, uh, Quick story, and then we'll finish. Um, I was on Facebook uh, a few years ago, and I got like a rec- uh, an invitation to a Facebook page, and uh, or no, a group at the time, a Facebook a Facebook group, and uh, it was uh, the Tyler Smith group, which is everybody in it was named Tyler Smith. Oh, so I was like, sure, why not? So I joined, and then I just saw like, and the posts were there was nothing offensive or anything like. That. They're all just so random. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? The only thing I have in common with any of these people is my name. That is not enough for me to see things, to like see updates and like, oh, someone's talking about this project. There were who cares? Also, that seems like the it would be the most confusing Facebook group. Sure. Like you'd be like, oh, Tyler Smith is back. <laughs> I mean, That's I true. like it when Tyler Smith posts and Tyler <laughs> Smith's okay, but when Tyler Smith comes in, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I my name wasn't Tyler Smith. I swear. Yeah. Well, the sad thing is I, in that situation, I'm talking about me. It's like this Tyler Smith guy is the worst. Oh shit. That's me. All right. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, listeners feel free to weigh in. Uh, Ian, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Uh, Jason, we miss you. We miss you. Uh, and, uh, thank you for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.